0: merry 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 christmas specifically not happy holidays you know why because fuck that it's christmas time so i'm saying merry christmas and if that offends you turn this motherfucker off right now because i have no time for your nonsense let me turn up these levels so you can actually hear me you're probably Probably saying, I don't want you to turn up the levels Because I don't want to hear you All this filth you're talking But anyway I just dropped my sister off At one of her friends' house So that she could have a Christmas with her On Christmas Eve I don't understand why we have to do that But whatever, I love my sister But I don't love her friend Her friend treats her like crap And I want to hit her in the face I want to hit her in the face, but I'm not going to hit her in the face. That's maturity, if you ask me, is when you want to do something, but you don't do it because you know it's wrong, and you're not influenced by some sign that says, you know, domestic violence is wrong. But would that be domestic if it was a friend? I, is Domestic means family, right? So what would that be? Like peer violence, peer, peer punching in the face. That's what I want to do, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because I am a spiritually grounded individual. That's what I say. That's what I say. Man, it's Christmas Eve and the garbage man just passed me. That poor bastard has to work on Christmas Eve. I wonder what the holidays are like in New York New York City because it's such a melting pot of different ethnicities and religions that some people are probably wanting to work on Christmas Eve. Why the fuck don't you want me to work? I need the money. Christmas Eve n- means absolutely dick to me. I don't care about Jesus. Jesus, I don't care nothing about him. And I would get it. If I was a boss and they wanted to work on Christmas Eve, I'd say go for it, pal. I don't want to work any day ever though. So, I can't really relate to that. Unless I do need the money. But my my job just started offering us sick days how about that so every month i acquire one sick day and i can get up to five sick days a year i'd say that's pretty good if you ask me that's pretty damn good five sick days although my last job i got 10 i think 10 10 did i say it right 10 that's what you say in mississippi i remember people couldn't distinguish when i'd say pin and pen apparently that's two different words for a tuning pin or tuning tuning pin pin I think that's what it is for a piano that's what you're supposed to say is tuning pin and then a writing utensil would be pen I think that's how you say it that shit drives me crazy to me it's the same thing pin pin you just know the context how are you that dumb to where you can't Fucking distinct. I think we've been getting along just fine. When you say "oil" instead of "oil," which sounds ridiculous to me. I remember when my sister moved out of Mississippi and started hanging out with people that didn't talk that way, and she came back talking like a loser. I remember that, and now I talk like a loser. See how I just said "I" instead of "ah"? That's what. That's the way it should be. It should come out. Just open your mouth and hum if you want to mimic. The southern accent, that's what you got to do. Just open that pie hole. (laughs) Pie hole. See? Pie hole sounds... Okay. It sounds like I'm dumb. Okay. I get it. I get it. I remember listening to some stuff that I did years ago. Listening to a recording of me talking. Wow. I definitely sounded like an absolute moron. I definitely did. It's weird hearing my dad talk because... He's really, really smart, but has a real thick southern accent. So it's hard for people up north, I would imagine, to take him seriously and to realize that he's actually super smart. I didn't get that gene. My mom's smart, my dad's smart, my sister's smart. They were all scholars, you know, 3'8, three, 4'0. Three oh, it's probably what they got in college. I'm getting a 2'9, 3'0, oh, something like that way below where they were but you know what school is stupid even though every person in my family is a teacher i still i stand by it school is dumb unless you uh, are going into a field that it can actually actually help you when you get out that you'll have a job waiting for you or you can at least be qualified for a job when you get out I mean, let's be real. If you're going to going to college and majoring in art, what's it going to do for you? If you already know how to paint, you could just take private lessons on how to paint. Unless you want to teach painting, you know, change my mind. That's the new thing I see on Facebook. They say something ridiculous and they're like, change my mind. So yeah, all you artistes out there, change my mind. Did going to art school, if you didn't want to teach, did it do you any good at all? I'm not saying getting some instruction is not important, unless you're a comedian. You cannot ever get instruction. No classes, no comedy college, no nothing, or you will be judged like you wouldn't believe. I went to comedy college in San Francisco when I first got there, because I went to a lot of open mics, and I was wondering how and the fuck... Am I ever going to crack into this scene? Because the open open mics that I went to were so horrific. So I went to comedy college thinking that maybe I'll at least make some contacts to where I can do some shows and shit like that. Turns out that didn't help at all either until I finally found Brainwash and Tony Sparks and started going to the punchline. That's when things started to kick into gear. That's when they started to kick in the gear. Got featured in the San Francisco Chronicle, which, guess what? Means absolutely dick. Means nothing at all. And I know that. I'm aware of that. I know that there are comedians in San Francisco far beyond the level of skill that I have on stage. And I don't know. I felt guilty about it. But at the same time, I was like, ha-ha! I'm the one that got featured. And then I realized that it did absolutely nothing for me. The only thing that it did for me is you can Google me. You can Google Matthew Banks Comedian. And I come up. I pop up. There's an article about me that pops up. That's pretty damn cool. And that's worth a lot of money to pay Google if you need to be advertised. So I'd say that was worth it in itself. But I had to go do a photo shoot and shit. If I never have to do another photo shoot in my entire life, I would be thrilled about that. But if I had to guess, being a comedian, I'm going to have to do a lot more of them. Unfortunately, I do not want to do that shit again. Give me a pose. Why don't you look angry? Why don't you look happy? Yeah, work it. All that shit. Fucking give me your sad look. Give me your mad look. I don't know what they said. I don't remember what they said, but it was super uncomfortable. I remember I had to do one. uh, I had to do, I had to tune a piano for Herbie Hancock for a photo shoot, which I thought and still think it was the dumbest thing ever that I had to tune the piano for the photo shoot. And maybe I'm wrong, but uh, photos don't have sound. So when I was working for Steinway, I had to tune the piano for the photo shoot. I guess just in case he was playing the piano and he didn't want it to be out of tune. Sorry, I'm stopped up. Ugh, I won't do it again. I'm going to try my best not to do that again. But anyway, yeah, I had to tune for this photo shoot. And while I'm tuning for the photo shoot, first off, I'm in this white room. Solid white craziness. It was like I was tuning a piano in the future or in some super secretive cia you know secret service some type of bullshit and then the photographers were saying hey can we take a can we snap some photos of you so we can get some samples for when herbie gets here when good old herb gets here and you know i didn't want to say no that would have been a real douche move so I'm there. I felt so violated. They were taking photos of me. I felt so much sympathy for models. But I guess models enjoy getting their photo taken, I assume. Or either they just do it because they get paid a ton of money. Well, some of them. I imagine J.C. JCPenney models don't get paid too much. But, I mean, they provided a lot of jerk material for the teenagers, you know, back in the day. So, what are you going to do? But, anyway, so, yeah. Um, got that photo shoot. Where the hell was I? I was in a groove and then I got distracted by a candy cane, candy cane in somebody's yard, somebody decorating their house for Christmas. I don't get that. I hope to God I never get in a relationship where the woman wants me to decorate the yard for the Christmas season because she wants decoration. I hope to God that never happens because if she wanted it, guess what? I'd be doing it. I'd be doing it because I want to avoid conflict. And, you know, let's be real. I want to make her happy. Hope to God that I make her happy. I remember my best friend growing up. We had to, every single year when I was over at his house hanging out, we had to go in his attic. And I swear there were probably 25 boxes plus a Christmas tree that we had to dig out of that motherfucker for his mom so that she could decorate the house for one day of the year. You got to decorate the house. Who the fuck cares that you got little wise men and angels sitting around, Jesus in his manger. I know I don't give a shit about that. I can't... I just... I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. Although, I do believe... That you're being of service to other people when you decorate your house. Here's why. It's because when I am visiting the fam, every year, Christmas night, we go, we pile in the van, and we ride around and look at Christmas lights. It's actually quite, it's quite a good, it's quite a fun time. It's quite a fun time. So, you know, it's going to be a little different this year because pop won't be around, mom and pop getting a divorce. I hadn't brought that up, I guess, because it's none of your fucking business. But either way, I guess it's out there now. I guess everybody knows now. So, you know, send me your sympathy cards. Send me your sympathy and say, oh my God, I feel so sorry for you. You're 33 years old and you have to deal with this. You know, I wish it had happened way early on so I could blame my blame my uh, problems on it You could be like well my parents split up when i was a child that's why i'm so damaged if you're 25 or older and you're still blaming shit on your parents you know go fuck yourself at what point are you going to start taking responsibility for your actions that drives me so crazy um what the hell is your therapist telling you it's like yeah you should you should give yourself a break you should give yourself a break you had such a tough time such a tough childhood. And I know I'm singling people out. I know I'm singling out therapists that think it's their job to give you compassion and understanding. Which is such a small part of being a therapist. I mean, how long are you going to be a victim, really? You know? How long are you going to be a victim? If it happened If it happened more than three or four years ago. I mean, you know, with exception to some stuff. People that have PTSD. You know, if you're raped. Some shit like that. Surely it's gonna affect you longer than that, but but beyond that, you know, go fuck yourself. Trauma. Trauma is such an over overused word nowadays. It drives me crazy. Oh trauma. Trauma when I was a kid. My mom yelled at me. Oh yeah, I'm sure that was so traumatic. Your mama probably should have yelled at you because you were a little shit. But change my mind. <laughs> Hashtag change my mind. I need to start saying the most horrific shit ever on the pod so that it'll just go viral, and uh, you know, i all the people that uh, all the people that are so fed up with this dumb shit. Like the like the thing on Vulture where they were calling out Louis C.K., which you know I don't even really have an opinion on what he did. It has nothing to do with me. You know, whatever. Who gives a fuck? But then Vulture's like, here's one more reason. You should not like Louis C.K. Because he said the N-word. And he said the N-word in front of Chris Rock, who happens to be black. And Chris Rock was laughing, and they were talking about the word together. So, you know, shut the fuck up. Chris Rock and Louis seem to be good friends. And they know that that's comedy. I know I never will have that kind of that kind of i don't even status i guess on stage to where i could say that word and get away with it not that i would even want to say that word on stage i think whore and slut are going to be of that magnitude sometime soon i think it is you know they got the fag word like that now it's not quite there but it's getting there to where if you say it you're going to be roasted I'll never be able to host the Oscars again because there's a recording of me saying fag on my stand up it's amazing how literally in the past three years the political correctness has made that much of a stride it's it's pretty unbelievable you know which in some cases it's good I don't want to go around offending people I don't want to you know I don't want anyone to ever think my god why would that guy say something like that but at the same time where do you where do you draw the line that's my issue with it the people that have all this problem with political correctness they have no trouble trashing people in poverty unless they're black then they have a real problem with it but if they're white white trailer trash you know no fucking his sister Or whatever. They have no problem at all trashing that. And I get it. I don't have a problem with it either. But, you know, you got to be fair about it. If you're going to trash one thing, you should be able to trash the other thing. Jokingly trash. That's another thing. You're just saying it. If you're saying it to be funny and it doesn't land, oh well. Especially at an open mic. That's what would drive me crazy in San Francisco. You're trying out a joke at an open mic and somebody gets offended. That's exactly what an open mic is for, so that when you go on a real stage, you're like, oh, okay, at the open mic, there was the line, and I crossed it a little too far, and people pulled way back. Maybe I shouldn't try this at a show. That's what they're for. So you can try out your jokes, so you can be as edgy as you possibly want and see where that line is, to see where the discomfort begins, you know? And then where the ease begins, or uh, where, the, where the ease ends and the discomfort begins. That should be a quote. I should tweet that. Maybe if I tweet that, I'll get one heart, one like. I never, ever, ever get likes. <sighs> so, yeah, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. Actually, I think I'm in Germantown. And I'm driving around... This, just drove around this neighborhood, dropped my sister off at the friend of hers that I don't like because she treats her like shit, and I, dro- I dropped her off at her house. And the houses in this neighborhood in New York would cost two mil probably minimum two mil, and they're not even that big of houses here. They probably cost Three hundred thousand, maybe two fifty. I'd say five hundred at absolute most. And if I drove people around from New York here, they'd be like, Holy shit, that is a mansion. I'm like, Nah, that's a middle class individual right there. Let me show you a mansion. Then I'd drive you in Brentwood, Tennessee, and show you a house with a five car garage, probably nine, ten bedrooms, two butlers, whatever. That's a house. Let me drive you by George Jones's house in Nashville. I think he's dead now, but he used to he used to decorate his Yard had a giant rocking chair out in front of his yard, so you could take a photo on Christmas Day and go out there with the fam. Those were the good times, those were the good times back in the day, anyway. Memphis, I remember when I was in college in Jackson, Tennessee, I went to Lambeth University for a month maybe two months. I'd just gotten out of the mental institution. Sorry, I just yawned. Just got out of the mental institution via rehab. I was literally months sober. Months sober, two months sober. Couldn't read and write. However, I think, uh oh, I think I'll go to college. It was the most miserable fucking time of my entire life somebody knocked on my door I think I got two knocks on my door the entire time I was there one knock was because I was so drugged up and passed out from the medication that I was on because they basically had to put me into a coma just so I wouldn't flip out there were like any emotion whatsoever is going to tip you over the edge so we're just going to give you so many drugs that you're just not going to experience any emotions how about that and you're going to sleep 17 hours a day and not be able to wake up with an alarm so i would sleep and i remember the fire alarm went off in the middle of the night and this dude was beating on my door like what the fuck dude you got to wake up the fire alarm's going off so I had to go outside. I remember it's cold as dick outside. I had to go outside, stand out Oh, it was fucking miserable. I remember what the hell was that dude's name? Slowy, I think that was his name. Steven Slowy or some shit. That was my sweet mate. And then this other this other dude, I don't remember his name either. But I remember his girlfriend. She's still my friend on Facebook. She was actually a very Kind person, she was one of the only people that ever talked to me. It was very nice of her. One time they invited me to Dairy Queen to go get some ice cream. I don't know if there's Dairy Queen everywhere in the country, but that was the only time that I ever spent with another individual in the whole stint that I was in college. It was the most miserable existence ever. The only thing I would look forward to and not even look forward to was I would lie in my bed all day and then when it was lunchtime, I would go get lunch in the cafeteria, the most horrific food ever and then I would just sit by myself because I was way too scared to talk to anybody, and then I would uh, go back sleep, and then do the same thing all over again. It was the most miserable. The most miserable shit of my life. And I was so miserable, and I didn't have any friends. So I would go home every single weekend. It was a four-hour drive. I think there were three turns to get home. And I couldn't remember it. Every single time, I would have to call my mom and dad. And tell them, or ask them, uh, get them to remind me how the fuck to get home. Because my brain was so shot. Oh my god, I remember... I'd rather than go to the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist was like, you know, you should probably drop out of school. And I was just like, oh man, damn! I really wanted to be there, I'm trying to play that shit off. Whew! Thank God, I never have to do that again. And then I went back and got my degree, which did absolutely nothing for me. I got a degree in absolutely in. Uh, a bachelor of science in interdisciplinary studies which basically means you're a fuck up and you need to graduate and the school doesn't have a need for you anymore so they give you a sympathy degree basically i had 3 minors with no major and a minor that's what that meant and so that's how i that's how i got my degree is that white privilege possibly definitely a possibility I would I would say on the, on the percentage-wise, that's a 60%er. That's 60% white privilege. And I would apologize for that, but my degree meant absolutely nothing. I don't know that it's, it's meant anything since because I went and got my degree in piano technology at another school, and that meant everything. That's gotten me every job ever since then. So I would say that that was the real winner. That was, the, that was the one when I really was able to take charge of my life. I like to take responsibility for it. You see what all the shit I did? When everything good that's ever happened to me was happened as a result of me giving up and just letting the universe take care of it. I need to find a job. Well, stop looking and then a job will show up. As long as I'm working hard and doing the best I can every day, You know, I got to search for opportunities, but all the best jobs ever have just popped up. Just been like, wow, that was uh, maybe the easiest thing I've ever done as far as things, you know, coming into divine order. That golden thread being woven through my life. That all happened as a result of me just trying trying to be a good person, trying to work hard, you know. Doing the next right thing. That, that phrase is going to piss a lot of people off. Good. I hope it does because that's what I did and my life is successful. How's yours, fucko? <laughs> I feel like my language has cleaned up quite a bit on today's podcast. I think, you know, I would love to be able to do a special and not say a single curse word, but still be very edgy. That'd be pretty nice. I don't know that I'm capable. I'm probably not even close to capable. But it'd be something to aspire to do. It would be a challenge. I just got through listening to Brian Regan, who has literally the most clean comedy I've ever heard in my life. And uh, not ever. There's people definitely equivalent to the cleanness. But he he's unbelievable. He's like the funniest guy ever. And is all his material is squeaky clean. Brian Regan Live. I'm gonna plug that. Also look up Stand Up and Away, I think that's what it's called on Netflix. It's streaming today, Christmas Eve. So even even if you're not interested, just play it while you're cooking dinner or something. Just to do just to do me a favor to do Brian Regan a favor. Because we need that son of a bitch around as long as possible. That juggernaut. Is that the right use of that word? One of the guys on the Mount Rushmore of modern comedy, I would say. Definitely. Because there's what Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin. Who the fuck else? Rickles. I, I don't know. All those guys who I love dearly, but think that other guys nowadays are much funnier. Just, you know, not not the I'm sorry trying to take my jacket off and uh still keep the flow going that's really hard but yeah I would say you know there are people equally as funny today but I find way more funny because it's more relevant you know I don't think you're going to find anybody ever funnier than Dave Chappelle or Burr you know my opinion Regan It's just not going to happen. But I would say probably in 30 years when you listen to these guys and you listen to guys in 30 years from now, you're going to think the guys 30 years from now are way funnier because it's more relevant. But, you know, the way the political correctness movement is going, unless comedians start stepping up and saying, you know what, fuck you, I'm going to say whatever I want to say regardless of what your sensitive ass says, it might be a real turn in comedy. We might just have more things like nanette going on which you know the longer i've i've separated myself from that i see that you know whatever she did what she liked what she thought was good i don't consider it really a comedy show the first half was and then she went into this one one man show i guess one woman show is that how you say it no fucking clue not my cup of tea If you're saying you're doing a comedy show and then you do a one-woman show. But whatever. You know, I just hope comedy doesn't move in that direction and still call itself comedy. Where are the jokes? Where are the fucking jokes? That's what I'm wondering. What are you going to do? I'm just bitter. I'm really not that bitter. It's the holiday season. I fucking love the holiday season. I'm dreaming of a white... Christmas. Man that was awful. I love Christmas carols though. Somebody at work thought that I was probably a Scrooge and I was deeply offended by this proposition because I am not a Scrooge. I absolutely love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of year. Let me tell you what. It really is. As a kid I would stay up all night, Christmas Eve, waiting to see what Santa brought me. And I believed in Santa for as long as any kid could possibly believe in Santa. Because I just, I always wanted it to be real. Because I I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Who, do, If you're a kid and you don't like Christmas... Hopefully it was just because you had a tough childhood and didn't get any presents. That's incredibly unfortunate if that's the case. And I do feel sorry for you. But if you're still blaming your behavior on that and you're over 25, go fuck yourself. There's another thing. You know, I got to stand by what I say. That's that's the most important thing. I got to stand by all the dumb shit I say where I have no evidence to back up my propositions. Is that even how you use the word proposition? No fucking clue. Oh, here comes the cursing We gotta stop the cursing. We gotta stop the cursing. The city of Germantown. I just read a trash can. That's how that's how hard I'm trying to dig myself out of the hole that I just got myself in. I'm just reading things on my surroundings. McHenry Circle. That's where I am in Germantown, you know. If you want to come raid my friend's house here in Germantown, not raid. Don't, you know, don't rob the house or anything. If you want to toilet paper it or something, the one that treats my sister like shit, you can do that. It would be fine. You know, it would be totally fine. Because, oh, I. how did I not even mention this? I just met uh, my sister's boyfriend. For the first time, they've been together, I don't know, six months, something like that. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm rather impressed. Rather impressed. I like them a lot. I'm very happy that I like them a lot. I didn't even feel the need to pull them aside and say, look, um, I like you. But if you do anything to harm my sister, I'll break your neck. And I mean that. And if I can't break your neck, I'll find somebody else to break your neck. I know a lot of fucking lunatics. You hear me, sir? Do you fucking hear me? I didn't even feel the need because he's such a good guy. But, you know, if he does mistreat my sister, I will kill him. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. Can you tell I'm a little protective? You know why I'm so protective? It's because I was the one that caused all the damage to my sister. I was such a horrible kid. Growing up. Such a disaster. That I robbed my sister of every bit of attention. That she should have been getting. All the attention was directed towards me. And. Yeah. Do I feel bad about it? Every single day. Do I pray that my sister gets everything uh, in life? All the time. Every day. Say. Please dear God. Let this work out with her and her new boyfriend. Because. She deserves it. If I never get anybody ever, I'm totally fine with that. I could give a shit. Well, I can give a shit. But if it means my sister's happy, that's all that matters to me. I'll sacrifice. I will sacrifice because she sacrificed her whole damn childhood for my lunacy. My absolute lunacy from 15 on. Yeah, it was all about Matthew. All about Matthew and my fam. That was all—all all the worry of everyone. What the hell is this lunatic gonna do next? Is he gonna get up and interrupt interrupt another church service? Is he gonna—is he gonna go to a cop's house and tell him he knows how to transport marijuana in large quantities? Is that what's gonna happen? Oh, wow! Is he gonna be playing golf and think that uh, think that the yardage markers on the golf course are the are the uh, places to show the helicopter where to land to come abduct him is that what he's going to do so he going to rub gatorade and cookies into a t-shirt in the middle of the night and shine an orange light on it to read the messages that the government sent him is that what he's going to do i could go on but <laughs> i could go on but i'm not because i'm ashamed i'm ashamed i'm not ashamed should i be ashamed i don't think i'm ashamed anymore I have I have a humbleness about it. I believe I have a thank Christ that's no longer a thing. Thank Christ, I'm no longer going through that. I'm not thinking Christ actually because I don't believe in Christ. Thank God, I believe in God. I don't know what God is, but I believe in it. Maybe it's a fairy tale. Maybe it's a fantasy. But you know what? I'd rather believe than not believe. All you fuckers that don't believe, are you really willing to take that risk? You might die and nothing happen. How about that? It's a, it's, a, it's a strong possibility. It is a possibility. If you can't even admit that that might possibly be a possibility, where are you at? Where do you stand? Huh? Are you really that smart to where you can be an atheist and just do everything on your own? And, and take responsibility for everything in your life? That everything good that's ever happened to you is because of you? You really think that? You really think that? It's very possible. Everything good that happened to you is because of you. And all the great things that you've done in your life. you never gotten lucky? You think getting lucky is just a coincidence? Maybe. You think not getting hit by that train? When you're trying to kill yourself? When the train just, you know took an L around you, missed you, you know? Something crept into your consciousness to tell you to not do it. You think that was you? No, you wanted to fucking kill yourself, but you didn't. Something intervened. It's very possible. See how deep this podcast is getting? As Joe Gorman would say, you've really given me something to think about. (laughs) Which is his way of saying, you fucking idiot idiot. Oh, God. I miss Joe. I hadn't seen Joe in like three weeks. But we'll have Joe. Joe will be back on the podcast real soon. Don't you fucking worry. He went to San Francisco for the holiday. And I think he had a show last night, if I'm not mistaken, at the San Francisco Punchline. Which, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. That is a really amazing club. That's basically the only thing in San Francisco that i really look forward to doing and thought was great that that is definitely true i miss old ron vi prancing around (laughs) what a funny motherfucker that dude was what an intimidating guy oh my god i remember he came up to me one time he's like am i really that intimidating like talking about other people not wanting to talk to him i was like oh no ron not at all (laughs) trying to act like i wasn't intimidated no i'm not intimidated by you at all ron yeah he's he's quite the uh would it be type a He's definitely an alpha male gay is anything but alpha male for sure alpha should i say alpha person does that make it more politically correct is it i don't know i have no idea but what a fucking great what a fucking great comedian great guy. I miss it. See, I'm not even pandering right now, because used to I could have been saying all this to hope that I get booked, or hope that I get put up at Punchline, but it doesn't matter anymore. So I'm really saying this out of the goodness of my heart, that Ron Vai, what a great guy. One of the funniest dudes in San Francisco, without a doubt. Um, Enough about Ron. A lot of people, a lot of Ron's, uh, I don't know a single Ron that I don't like. Ron was my boss when I was at Steinway. Greatest boss I ever had. The most talented man in the piano world. For sure. It's between him and David. I won't say their last names because I don't want to put them on blast. I know how famous my podcast is and how worldwide it is. You You could probably look up Ron, piano technician, in Google and he would pop up that's how damn good he is he is one of a kind i remember complaining to him about something at a piano so sometimes this is going to be really boring for a lot of you but sometimes a string on a piano if it's not seated properly on the bridge or there's an imperfection in the string or whatever it'll make a it'll sound like just one string is out of tune when when it isn't it's just an imperfection in the string and uh it's called a false beat a beat is when two two uh pitches collide and they go wow 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 well sometimes one string will make that noise just because it's not you know like i said not seated properly or whatever could be a twist in the string who knows nobody really knows but i remember complaining to him about it one time saying man that piano i think it was cd 272 i think that was the number of the piano or 271 maybe It's a very nice piano, but it had a lot of false beats. And I remember telling him that this piano has a lot of false beats, and it was it was hard to tune. And he was just like, "And (laughs) he's just like, and you work around it." He's been tuning for 40 years. He's a monster. He would start tuning at six o'clock in the morning, and by you know by eight thirty, nine o'clock, he'd already tuned six pianos. Which, if you don't realize. That is, um, un-freaking-believable. That is, I can tune a piano in 30 minutes if I really, really, really have to, but it's not going to be a perfect tuning. It'll be good. It'll be acceptable, but nowhere near the level of this man would do one in 30 minutes, and it would be perfect. Perfect, let me tell you. Pretty unbelievable one of the most amazing things i've ever seen in my life i remember watching him tune and when he would tune the amount of time between each note that it took him to tune was the exact same amount of time it would be ding 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 he would go up and would literally be that fast because he never missed Missed meaning when he turned the pin, he knew exactly where that note was going to go. That's the hardest part of tuning. Most people think that it's hearing, which the hearing comes first, actually, and then knowing how to set the pin where you want to put it. That's what comes last, and that's basically the battle that you're fighting for the rest of your life. And he, uh, he never missed. He might, he might miss one time during the whole tuning. It's pretty unbelievable, you know. I'm sure you're fascinated by this. I was fascinated by this when I had to when I had to do my interview for Steinway, which was a job so far beyond anything. It wasn't far beyond what I could dream because I did dream about it and thought maybe one day I'll tune at Carnegie Hall, and then I ended up tuning at Carnegie Hall, which still blows my mind to this day. And it's uh, pretty much transformed my life and my career and who I can work for. Thank Christ. Oh, I forgot. Not thank Christ. Thank God just to piss off the atheists. I'm going to say thank Christ. No, thank Christ to piss off the Christians. And no, thank God. Or uh, But thank God to piss off the atheist. Does that work? I don't know. But I remember going in for the interview when I had to work for Steinway. And Ron Connors, uh, ah, I just said his last name. All right, I'm sorry. Don't look that up, because I'm definitely not ed- editing this out. <laughs> I don't think you can put him on blast anyhow, anywhere. Um, if you do, I'll be very upset. Uh, but yeah, I went on the interview, and he's literally the most famous piano technician in the world. In the country, definitely. Maybe not the world, but I would say the world. and Because uh, America's basically the world, right? No, other countries don't matter. <laughs> That's kind of our attitude in America. It's hilarious. And uh, but it—I remember going in for the interview, and he just said it was a Steinway L, which happens to be my favorite model of Steinway, other than the D, which is the largest piano. But the L. He's like, "All right, tune this piano 440, and come get me when you're done." And I tuned it, and I was fucking terrified. And I went and got him and he checked the tuning and he was like, "Wow, that's really good." He's like, "There's a couple notes up in the treble that are a little bit sharp, but other than that, this is a great tuning." And I was like, "Wow. Thank you, sir. I couldn't freaking believe it. I'd never been that nervous ever tuning a piano. And even when I tuned for the Pope, I wasn't even close to that nervous." tuning for Yafim Bronfman, who's maybe the strongest player ever, plays harder than anyone you've ever seen. And uh wasn't that nervous, but he's like, okay, now for the real test. And I was just like, "Uh, what do you mean by real test there, Ronnie? And he took his hand, this man's hand is as big as a ham. I'm not exaggerating, as big as a honey-baked ham. On your Chris in your Christmas, uh, on your Chris, ah, uh, fuck the honey baked ham you had for Christmas dinner, giant hand, and he slams the note four or five times, just bang, 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 <laughs> which is, which is literally the hardest part of tuning is getting that note to stay where you put it, and he beat the he beat the dog shit out of it. And he's like, what'd you think about that test? Because the note obviously went out of tune. It didn't go out of tune nearly as much as I thought it would because of how hard he hit it. But it did go out. And he's like, what did you think of that test? I was like, I, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> and he just started laughing. But then he talked to me afterwards. And he said, uh, he said, I'm going to recommend that we hire you. And just talking about that right now brings brings a bit of tear to my eyes. And because uh, it was, it was life-changing moment. It was something that I dreamed of. I dreamed as big as I could possibly dream, and uh, it actually happened. I would definitely encourage you to dream as possible, dream as big as you possibly can, because uh, it could happen. It could happen. Your dreams could come true. Don't let that hold you back. Don't let your limited don't let your limited perception of yourself. Don't let all of your insecurities and I'm not good enough bullshit don't let that stop you. Because you can dude, I'm telling you, if I can do it, if I can if I can achieve the dream, anyone can. I guarantee it. And so now I have to dream way bigger, and I just want to work as a comedian full time, make enough money to support myself by performing every night. I can't, I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine how awesome that would be. That's my dream, and the way that that dream is going to be accomplished is by people starting to know who the fuck I am which sounds very arrogant and I guess it is because as a comedian if you want to do well you kind of have to people kind of have to know who you are but um anyway yeah so do me a favor share this podcast shout out to Wesley Wesley Hoffman if he's listening thanks buddy for sending me a nice message he's also a comedian that's why I said his last name so follow him on twitter and facebook and stuff like that he's a friend of mine on facebook he actually booked me on my first show in san francisco i was extremely appreciative of that um very funny guy very nice guy one of the nicest guys in the comedy scene um which i don't know if that's a compliment it's meant to be a compliment but i know being a nice guy can be a real fucking handicap sometimes (laughs) uh you know whatever it's whatever uh i'm not going to justify that yeah thank you so much and yeah thanks for the message so the way that the way this pod is going to be spread like wildfire dude when i post this if you liked it just share it just hit share on facebook share retweet it please dear god just retweet it shout out you know i taught you a lot on this podcast i think you should be grateful so if you could do that send it send it out to your friend say hey check this pod out are you super bored and have absolutely nothing else to do maybe it's a maid while she vacuums or he just send it out for me do me a favor and do that follow me on twitter at mbanks podcast you know friend me on facebook as always if you friend me on facebook send me a quick message tell me who you are just say hey i'm a listener i want to be your friend because there's a lot of spam out there. and uh, follow me on Instagram at Matthew Banks podcast. Even though I'm never on Instagram, I should probably try and do better with that. There's just somebody passing me and I'm talking into a microphone in a car. <laughs> so I didn't want to want them to think I'm a lunatic. I didn't want them to, to actually figure me out. But however, anyway, thanks for listening. Merry fucking Christmas, people. And happy holidays to the people that are offended by a Merry Christmas. And uh have a great new year. I'm gonna talk to you again before New Year. Sorry for the late podcast. I have no excuse. No I have plenty of excuses, but no good excuses. So happy holidays. Love you and uh shout out to Joe Gorman if he's listening. We'll see you soon. Peace.